Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following is a message from our guest speaker. And I really want to share it with you, but I know you guys aren't really interested and y'all want to get out real quick, so I'm going to cut it real short. And uh, is that okay with everybody? Or you want the meat? The meat. All right. When I was a kid, there was a, a commercial, and the lady said, where's the beef? I don't know if anybody remembers that, but I'm about to bring the beef. I want you to stand this morning for the reading of the Word of God. Um, we're in a, in a new series called I Am the Exchange. Everybody say, I am, I am. The, exchange. the Exchange. Everybody say, I am, I am. The, exchange. the Exchange. And we've been talking about how God has a plan. He has a plan, and it all started thousands and thousands of years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, on a cross where Jesus died to birth the church. He died to start something that would never end. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is really the catalyst for these messages that's been coming out of the exchange. And uh, we we're just jump into a conversation that Jesus has happened with a couple of his disciples. And we're going to look in Matthew chapter 16. And the Word of God says this, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, he looks at these guys and he says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And in verse 14, they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And I love Peter, the disciple. He stands up. He always was just, you know, a man of faith. And he had the spirit of God just burning in inside of him, and he opens up his mouth, and this is what he says in front of all of his friends right to Jesus. He says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Now, this, guys, is all of our church is built upon this foundation right here, that Jesus is the son of God, okay? And so all of a sudden, Jesus looks at Peter, and he says, you are blessed. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So there wasn't a person that came up to you and said, hey, I got a secret. I want to let you in on something. He says this, my father, my father, my heavenly father who is in heaven is the one that told you this. Verse 18, and also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, Jesus's words, this is what he said. I want you to focus in. He said, I will build my church. Does he say, Pastor Jared will build my church? No. Does he say, Pastor Kevin will build my church? No. Does he say, Pastor Ruben's going to build this church? No. Does he say, all the people, 2016, all these people that gather together, the exchange, they're going to come together and they're going to build the church. Is that what he said? No. Jesus says, I am the builder of my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against us. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. We thank you, God, that you are speaking to us. God, I thank you that in worship today, there were miracles happening. Lord, there were things that you were, were speaking to people and setting people free. Lord, you were reminding me of who I am in you, Lord God. You were reminding of me of, of how awesome that you are, Lord God. I thank you for that. And I ask, Lord, now as the word is being released, as we hear the word of God, there would be a transformation. We would be transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning so that we could go out of this place and we could prove what is the perfect will of God. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, What we've been talking about is that we are the church. When I say, what is the church to, do, to you today? I hope you know that the church is not a building. The church is not, you know, the, the walls and, and the, the screws and, and wood and all this stuff put together. The church are the people. Right? You and I 
are the people. We are the church. And, and so he says right here, Jesus, that he is the one who is building his church. Now, as a wise master builder, the builder of all builders, you know what Jesus did? He goes and now he starts building his church over all these years, and he does it. We look in the Word of God, and it tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, what Jesus is building his church with, and it says right here that you are living stones. Everybody say living stones. Everybody say living stones. So it's not dead stones. It's not stone stones. It's living stones. It is people. What does God use to build his church with? It's people. So look at your neighbor and say, hello, living stone. Look at your other neighbor and say, other neighbor, you're a living stone. Okay, as I look out, I love that here at our church, we celebrate diversity. So I see tall stones and I see short stones, right? I see some older stones. I see some younger stones. I see some male stones and female stones. I see some white stones and some brown stones, and I see all different colors of stones. How many know we celebrate the diversity here in the house of God? Amen? We celebrate that, and I love that God does that. As I look around, I see some stones that have some faith. I see some stones that have some hope. I see some confused stones too, right? Right? There's all types of different stones, but here's the point that we're getting to is that Jesus is the wise master builder, and as he is placing these living stones where they go, somehow, some way, he placed you here for a purpose. You're not here by accident today. This may be your first Sunday this morning, and you're like, well, man, we just decided we would just, you know, open up the yellow pages. Does anybody use the yellow pages anymore? Probably not. We just did a spinny thing on our app thing on our phone, and all of a sudden, this church popped up, and we came here and we're here by accident. No, you're not. We're all here on purpose. Jesus placed you here. And so it is for us today to say, you know what? I realize that, Pastor Kevin. I'm not here by accident. I'm going to take on responsibility. I'm not just going to be a person that attends and and just kind of I'm here sometimes and I'm not, you know, the other times. It really doesn't matter. It didn't make a difference. No, 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 no. Jesus placed you here on purpose. He placed you here and, and he did it strategically. With purpose. It was strategery, right? He placed you here, and you have something to give. You have something to add to what God is doing here at the church, and I am thankful that he did that. God is looking for somebody to hear his voice today and say, wow, it's so awesome that you, God, strategically placed me here for such a time as this in this church, the exchange in humble Texas, and I am a living stone. And so whatever you ask me to do, God, I'm going to do it. Whatever your plan is, I'm a part of that plan because I am not here by accident. And so over the last two weeks, if you've missed the last two weeks, you can go on our uh, webpage and you can see, uh, you can download the, the messages. Two weeks ago, I talked about God wants us to imagine again. Everybody say imagine. And you remember I got the basketball goal up here, and I was talking about when you're a kid, you had the faith of a child. Like, you would always, you know, imagining yourself in the big game, in the NBA, right? Three, two, one, you take the shot, and as a kid, you always made it. Why? Because there's a childlike faith inside of you, and along the way, some way, we somehow, we lost that faith, right? And so we don't have great dreams, and we don't have a great imagination, and I have been hearing the Lord say, Kevin, I am restoring that lost faith, that childlike faith in the people of the exchange. Come on, somebody, right? He's restoring that, and we're dreaming again, right? We're imagining again. We're, remember, I talked about Abraham, and, and, and he came, God came to Abraham, and he said, don't fear. I am your rewarder. I am your protector. And, and, and Abraham couldn't even go and do what God wanted him to do. And, and he, God said, come out from underneath that tent and be able to look at the sky, see the world as I see it. And all of a sudden, Abraham had faith. He believed that's what's been happening to us. Some of you have been able to dream again. and Some of you have been able to, to, to think and imagine, God, you, even though I have a crazy past, even though I've made mistakes, God, you're not done with me. I'm here. You're going to use me, and you're going to use me to do amazing things. Some of you have been dreaming those dreams again, right? And last week, Pastor Jared got up here, and he talked about, I am Freedom Church, and he talked about, and I mean, I am Freedom Church. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's where I came from. I am the exchange, right? <laughs> My wife caught me right there. I am the exchange. And what did he talk about? He talked about us investing. 
but investing with the future in mind. Right, not just throwing stuff out there, not just going, oh, wow, I got all this stuff and I could just invest, you know, my time, my talent, my treasure. But, but there's a purpose to it with the future in mind. What, what are, he, you know, he talked about how Jesus says, don't tour, store up your treasures where, where moths can come in and, and, and take it, where rust can come in and destroy it. What did he say? He said, invest your everything in the stuff that will last forever, for eternity, and so I can tell you that as you invest in what God is doing through us, everybody say, I am, I am. The, exchange. the exchange. Come on, one more time. I am, I am. The, exchange. the exchange. As we get together and we commit more and we invest more of our time, our talents, our treasure, all of a sudden we're going to see God do amazing things. And I was telling Pastor Jerry this morning as I was praying this week, God told me, son, for the exchange... What's about to happen in the next six months is going to be nothing short than miraculous. I think God's been telling a couple of you the same thing too. Right? Don't you love when God speaks to you and he says, son, son, what's about to happen in the next six months is going to be nothing short than, than miraculous. And here's the thing. I don't want to miss out on that. I want to be a part. I want to be right in the middle of, 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 of all of everything that God's doing and, and my faith just growing. And so this morning, I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 54, and this is going to be the meat of the message this morning. Isaiah 54, we'll put it up on the Scott Bible for you. It's verse 2 in the New King James Version. This is what the Word of God re it reads, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch, everybody say stretch. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Oh, man, that'll preach all day. Don't hold back. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And I love this passage of Scripture because the one right before it in verse 1 says this. God says, Sing, O barren woman, you who have never bore a child. You think that would be hard to do? If everybody around you is having children and you've been praying for children... And, and, and God comes to you and says, sing, sing, release the praise. You who haven't stepped into what you've been praying for, burst into song, shout for joy. You who were never in labor because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a, head, a husband, says the Lord. I love Isaiah 54 because it's a picture of the church. Everybody say the church. Isaiah 54 comes right after Isaiah 53, which is our great prophetic scripture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's amazing that this prophet, hundreds of years before named Isaiah, starts to prophesy exactly what's going to happen to Jesus. And then it happens. We know that it happens. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, that it happened, that Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. So as you read in Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 53, you'll start to see that uh, Jesus' atonement is prophesied. How he dies on the cross for our sins and the punishment, everything that he's going to go through. And then in Isaiah 54, it talks about this awesome church that's going to come. So Isaiah is continuing to prophesy. And it's, there's this mysterious movement that's going to be birthed on the earth. And he, hey, the reason this is significant is because it's written during a time when the church is in complete defeat. God's people, when Isaiah was writing this, you got to understand that the temple had been left in ruins, that the people of God looked anything but victorious and awesome. What was going on is it was a dark time. It looked like the, God's people were down and out. It looked like the blessing of God was finished. It looked like there was just darkness covering the people of God. You know, there was just so much evil. There had been a wicked king, and he was crazy, and he had made all these decisions as far as the government goes, and then he passed, and they were excited there's going to be another king and the guy comes he's even worse than that king and then the next king is even worse than that it's just getting worse and worse there's injustice in the people of God there's disease there's famine there's crime going on there's violence and heartache and it seemed like to the naysayers the people of God were in decline it seemed like everybody that was looking at the the people of God like there weren't any hope there was no faith and the Lord says in the middle of that 
he comes to his people and he says, when it seems like it's barren, when it seems like it's dark, what I want my church to do, this is what I want you to do. I want you to release praise. I want you to sing. I want you to cry out and begin to declare my praises. I want you to declare in the middle of what you think is darkness that God is here. Come on, somebody. And where he is, miracles can happen. Where he is, nothing is impossible. He says, awake. He's shaking them. Awake, oh sleeper. Wake up, church. Wake up to your call. Wake up to your mandate. You have a purpose. And I can tell you that I believe with all my heart that things in this world are not getting darker, that things are getting better. And you're like, oh, this guy. He's crazy. Did you not watch the news this last week? Do you not see the world that we live in? Guys, the media machine is pumping out all the bad news. They're pumping it and pumping it and we sit there and we watch it and we consume it. But I'm here to tell you today, I have a different perspective than what's being shoved down my throat. Things aren't getting worse. Guys, there's always been bad stuff. There's always been darkness going on in the world. But I'm telling you, it's getting better. I hear God telling us today, it's time to wake up. It's not time to shrink back and go, well, we're just going to be this little church, the exchange over in the corner. We probably won't be able to do much. Much, but you know what? We'll be saved and it'll just be us four and no more and we'll make it by golly. That's not, no, 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 no. That's not us. That's not the vision that God has for us. You see, I believe that God has called us as the, the people of the exchange church to touch lives. I believe that it's nice to look around and see good churches, but I want to be a part of an impact church. I want to be a part of a church that is making an impact on the world today, that is bringing his kingdom to this earth. You see, I'm glad that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm glad that one day when I pass from this earth, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not so concerned about making my home in heaven. I'm concerned about making my home right now more like heaven. Bringing his, his peace, his hope, his life right here. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And that we are a part of that. When you come here today, it's not like we just came in and we just kind of send out a couple of texts and say, are you not doing much on Sunday morning maybe? I don't know. It probably won't matter. But if we get together, we won't feel as guilty. So we'll say a couple of prayers and we'll play some songs. And, you know, we'll just, that's not why we're here today. We're not here to, to, to sit around and do something. We're here to take over. We're here to bring an impact on this earth. I believe there's no greater investment than you can make with your life than to pour it into the only institution that Jesus gave his life to build and he said he would build. The only institution that is completely have a promise that it is unstoppable. God has told his church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I don't know about you, but I believe it with my, all my heart and I stand boldly with Jesus Christ today. I stand boldly in faith. I came here to tell you that we are unstoppable. That the future of the exchange is not, it, it, it is, we're, we're unstoppable. We're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on growing. You might say, well, pastor, I just, I just don't see how you can be so excited. Still, I've seen the news. I see what's going on. It's just getting darker. Christianity just seems like it's in a decline. What you don't understand is that you have to, you've had a bad perspective because you're listening to the garbage news. But the kingdom, when I read the word of God, tells me that his kingdom only knows increase. That's all that it is. Christianity today is not in decline. Listen, statistics show that there are over 2.4 billion Christians in the world right now. Everybody say billion. billion. 2.4 billion Christians on the earth right now. Now listen, that's, not, uh, that's an awesome thing, but that's not something that Fox News wants to pick up and let you know about. That's not something that CNN is a hot topic and they want to pump that through into your life today. I read a report this last week that says the church has seen a dramatic and explosive growth in the world. Where's that on the news? But I, but I read this report and it says you can go to Asia, Africa, and South America and you'll see the growth of the African church in particular is jaw-dropping, what this article said. It said a long time ago, in 1900, there were fewer than 9 million Christians in Africa. Now there are more than 551 million. That looks like decrease to me. Let's close the doors. 
from nine to 551 million? Are you kidding me? Listen to this. In the last 15 years alone, the church in Africa has seen a 51% increase. Listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. Which works out to, on average, around 33,000 people either becoming Christian or being born into Christian families each day. Thirty-three thousand. That's what's happening in the world right now with Christianity. Pastor, let's close the doors. We're in decline, man. It's all going downhill. We don't have any hope. Us four, no more, bro. No. What do you tell me, Pastor? There's hope. Yes, I'm telling you. It's all about your perspective. Christianity is easily listen to me. The world's largest religion. There are only about 136 million atheists in the world right now, which is less than 1.8 percent of the world. Less than two percent of the world are atheists. Okay, and what did I say before, we have 2.4 billion. That's over a third of the population of the world are Christians, and it's growing daily. Guys, we are winning. And guess what? I read the book, and we win in the end. Yeah. We're we were here last night at the awesome UFC fight, and we're watching all this stuff. And and and, and listen, I was like, man, they're asking me who's going to win this fight, who's going to win this fight, and I was like, I don't know, man. I'm going to pick this person. I'm going to pick that person. But listen, the fight that I'm in is a Fixed fight. Yeah. If I don't quit, I can't lose. Right? And I'm telling you, that's a word for somebody today. Listen, I just, the Spirit of God just spoke to me right now and said, that's a word for somebody. You came here and you want to give up on your marriage. God says, if you don't quit, you can't lose. Don't give up. I know it looks dark, but don't give up. I know it seems that the world is on decline, but it's not. It's getting better and better. Guys, Wake up. Be a part of what God is doing in the earth. And you can go then to the next chapter in Isaiah 55, and you can see where he goes, Come, all you are thirsty. Come to the waters, all of you who don't have money. Guys, it's the greatest gospel chapter in the Bible, and it tells us who we as the church now. Isaiah had prophesied there was going to be a group of people that were coming this church, and then he says this is the people who they are going to go and they're going to reach. This is why I prophesied about Jesus and his cross. He says this is who it's for. He says, it's, the who, it's for the whosoever wills. Anybody that wants to come. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic background. He says, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. If you are thirsty, come. If you don't have anything, come. Come to me. And guys, I'm telling you, you start to think about why, why do we need to have this building campaign? Why do we need to go, I am the exchange and, and be excited about this? Listen, it's because you need to understand that we need to start to be a part of this because the kingdom of God is expanding. And there are tons, tons of whosoever wills right all, all around us. Let me ask you right now. Raise your hand right now if you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Just raise your hand right now. Okay, look around at all the hands. Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you know somebody that needs healing in an area of their life. They, they just need a touch of God. Look around. Look around. Look, keep the hands up. That's why we're doing the building campaign. That's why you need to raise up and say, it's because I'm, I'm glad that you're here this morning. But there's so many out there that are still hurt and lost. There's so many marriages that are in decline. There's so many kids that don't have a father. There's so many kids out there that don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and personal Savior. When I got into ministry, the only reason that I did it is because what happened to me, I wanted that to happen to everybody. So I said, God, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my life, everything. But what has happened to me, I need this to happen to everybody else. So God, I want to build your kingdom. Your kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done. And starting today, guys, I'm telling you, this is a specific word. And Pastor Jerry and I have been talking about this. Guys, God spoke to me and he said, we are stepping in, in the next six months, we're stepping in to a season of revolutionary faith and revolutionary generosity. A, a, a season that we've never known before, guys, of revolutionary faith and revolutionary generosity. So if you're wondering why what we're doing here today, it's because God has a plan. God's plan is moving forward in the earth. It's not in decline. It's going forward. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen. And here's the thing. The Bible, if you go look in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that right now you and I are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Everybody say witnesses. witnesses. Have you ever been to a football game before? 
okay? And, and so in the stadium, that's where the witnesses stand, right? Right? The crowd? And, and they're the spectators, right? So when I read in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that there are stands around us in heaven, and those people that have gone on before us, that they, when they were on this earth, they had the baton of faith, and they did everything they could, did to run the race and to establish his kingdom on this earth. And it says, now they've died. They can't do anymore, and they're watching us. So if you thought you were coming here today, and you were going to be a spectator, and you were just going to watch pastor, and you were going to watch these people worship, and it's a spectator sport. No, 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 you got it backwards. The spectators are around us, and they're cheering for us, and they're saying, Pastor Jared, if you don't take the, the, the baton of faith for your generation. What we did, it was all for nothing. It was all in vain. So what we have to be doing now is going, you know what? This ain't a spectator sport. I'll spectate one day when I'm not on this earth. But right now, God has given me the baton and I am in this. Everybody say, I am, I am. the exchange. God's saying, get in the game. Don't be a spectator. Don't, don't, don't sit on the side and go, well, you know, I mean, I'm glad they were here today because they need to hear that because they need to give more of their time. No, 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 no. God's been speaking to you about that, right? Well, I'm glad so-and-so is here because, you know, I just really think that they need to, and we do that, right? When God's speaking to us and he's saying, get in the game. So what kind of church are we going to be? What kind of church when you say, I am the exchange because I sit here and, and I think everyone in the world would want to be a part of an insignificant church in the corner that doesn't do anything? No? No, that's what, you're not here for that, right? You're here to make an impact, be a church that it's an impact. Well, I think the Bible should tell us what church should be like, so I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 10. I'm going to read this out of the message translation. Oh, Pastor Jared, this is so awesome. The Bible tells us right here. Oh, man, this is good. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 says this. All of this energy issues from Christ. Now, now listen to that next part. God raised him from the dead and then set him on a throne. So everybody will just pause. Whoa, time out, time out. Do we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross? Okay, and he's still dead, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's not dead. The Bible says that he was not just, he didn't just die and he was not just buried, but he rose again. And then in your mind, I want you to imagine Jesus, whatever your Jesus looks like, he, he, he's, he, imagine him and he, Jesus raises him from the dead <laughs> and, and Jesus is now, God sets him on a throne in heaven. So imagine that, right? So, so that's where we're at. God raised him from the dead, set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge, uh, this is what God said then, of running the universe, everything from the galaxies to the government. Oh, time out, time out, time out. This is crazy. In charge of the universe? Man, Jesus, don't you see? What's going on? We don't Who knew our next president's going to be? It's looking bad. And all this stuff I watched on TV this last week. And man, I, I'm really scared. I bet all that stuff shocked him and he fell off his throne. Right? Because he's not that powerful. I'm getting your mind thinking. I'm getting your spirit stirred up. Right? That's not what we believe at all. Can I tell you that nothing surprises him? He doesn't fall off his throne and go, well, that was it. We gave it a good run, God. It was, it was nice there, buddy. Man, wow, we really tried. No, 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 no. How many know I read the end of the book and we win, right? And so he is in charge. It goes on to say everything from galaxies to government, no name and no power is exempt from his rule. Let me say that again to set some of you free. No, it says right here, no name and no power is exempt from his rule and not just for the time being, but forever. Everybody say forever. 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 Listen to this. And this is what I want to get to so bad. At the center of this all, at the center of everything, this is the center, what we're about to say. Christ rules the church. You say, we're not just doing church today. We're not just talking about going through some religious motions. Listen, it goes on to say, he rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Now listen, that word peripheral is kind of hard to say. It's kind of weird to say. And God had you use it this morning to confirm what was going to happen. Listen, when you think of your peripheral, what's the first thing you think of? Peripheral 
vision, right? And what is the peripheral vision? It's not the main thing. It's the stuff on the side that you can kind of see on the side. And listen, everything on the, in the media is going to tell you that everything that's going on in the world, that's the main part. And that the church is on the peripheral. Is that what the Bible just said? But the world, it's going to seem like that to you sometimes. It's going to seem like we're losing. You're going to start, somebody's going to paint a picture for you. The enemy will paint a picture in your mind of something that's not really happening. But if you believe it to you, it's truth to you and you'll live your life by it. And I'm here to set you free by the word that God says that the world is, is not, uh, that the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. God has a plan. He's moving that plan forward, the center of everything is the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. His kingdom and his kingdom come, his will be done. It's going to happen if you're a part of it or I'm a part of it. If we don't sign up or we, we do sign up, it's going to happen. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You and I are involved in the most important thing on the earth, the center of everything, the church and what he's doing. So you might wonder on a Sunday, why is this pastor so pumped up? Why is he so excited and fired up? It's because I know that we're not peripheral to the world. I know that what we're doing, and as we invest in this, and we say, I am the exchange, as we say that, that it means something, that it's important. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Pastor Jerry and I, we used to play football together. And have you ever been on a team that lost and then went into the locker room? What's it like in that locker room? It's depressing, right? It's quiet. Oh, man. I'm thinking about quitting. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like some churches I've been to. Oh, you walk in. It's just dead. You know, there's no vision. There's no impact. They're just kind of punching in a time card. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been on a team that won a game? Oh, man. What's that locker room like? Huh? When you go in, man, people are like, yeah, woo, we did it. All right, man, this is awesome. Can you believe we won the game? We did. We won it. Guys, listen, that's the type of church that I want to go to. Right? I, I think when people come into the exchange, I think when they walk in, they should go, why are these people so excited? Why are these people so happy? And we're like, yeah, we're about to worship. Are you believing this? Our God is an awesome God. He is so great. I believe God. Why? Pastor, why would you say that? It's because I know that the church is not peripheral to the world, that we're not on the outside. We're on the middle. God has a plan. And I read the end of a book. I'm going to say it again. We are winning and we win. So we should act like it. So we should be excited. Amen? Oh, amen. So... First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5. What kind of a church is he looking for? Now, this is, he comes to David, and uh, in verse 5, it says, Now, David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be. Everybody say, must be. Everybody say, must be. Everybody say, must be. It's getting awful musty in here. It must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all the countries. And David says, this is the kind of church that it must be. This is what God is, is looking for, a house that must be glorious. It must be magnificent. It must be famous. It must be glorious throughout all countries. Listen, guys, we have the greatest message. We have the greatest news in the world. And we have been called to declare that. We've been called to take that out into all the world. And so as we are going through this campaign, the Bible says, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, God says that we must. Okay? We must. Everybody say must. We must. What does that mean, Pastor? It means it is necessary. It is vital to what God wants to do. That's what the word must mean. It's necessary. It's vital to build the kind of church that we're about to describe. Why are we continuing? Why are we asking you to go to a new commitment level? Why, pastor? It's because we must. It's vital. 
We must do that. It is necessary. Now is not the time to pull back. Now is the time to push forward. It's not time to go into hiding. It's time for us to get an attitude that says, oh, God, anything that you ask me to do, I'll do. Because why? We must. It's not time for us to go, oh, Lord, we're just going to endure when I was a kid, I cut my teeth on, uh, in the church on some hymns, and it, we would sing songs that would just say, just a few more weary days. And I was depressed. It's like, man, we just got to hang on because this thing's getting worse. And then God started speaking to my heart. He said, that's not the attitude of the church. It's like, no, God, don't hurry back. I, I believe that Jesus is coming back, but I don't believe that we're close to the end. You may believe that we are, but I, don't, I believe we're right in the middle of it. I believe that only a third of the world is saved right now. I believe he wants to get the whole world saved. And so I'm God, that, that's exciting to me, Pastor. And I want to be a part. What, what are the miracles and the exciting signs and wonders that are going to happen for that to happen on this earth? I'm like, God, hey, wait, 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 because I want to be a part of that. Right. Amen? I want to be a part of that. And so number two, if you're writing down exceedingly, write down number two, exceedingly. That means to build a church that is surpassingly. Second Corinthians 2, uh, Chronicles 22, 5 says, And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly. And as we step into the season of revolutionary faith and revolutionary generosity, you might wonder, but why do we need to do more and why do we need to give more? It's because the Bible tells us to. It needs to exceed. It needs to surpass. You know, over the years, I've been thinking... Uh, Lisa, we have been, you know, doing this thing for like 15 years now. I think how much of time and, and talent and treasure we've invested into his kingdom. It's been a lot. But I've also been thinking, what we do next needs to be more than that. Like, that was a lot. And listen, from my heart, I, I wanted to. Like, I wasn't, God wasn't twisting my arm. I was like, God, what you did for me, I want everybody to see this and be a part of this. And so we have given and we've given, but what we have done up to now, what we're about to do needs to exceed that. It needs to surpass that because there has to be more done. There's more people to reach. Number three, everybody write down magnificent. magnificent. Number three, magnificent. The word magnificent means characterized by grandeur. What does the word grandeur mean? big, right? It needs to be what we do for God. In this campaign, I am the exchange. It needs, we need to go big, baby. And, and that's the type of people we are, yeah. right? If I start throwing stuff out about my Dallas Cowboys right now, people are going to stand up and go big for their Houston Texans, right? Oh, man, Pat, you don't even know. I got a tattoo, man. I got my whole car is wrapped, man. It cost me $22,000 to wrap that car, but I didn't care because I go big for my team. And listen, that's who I am. That's how big, I mean, I got a full tattoo right now on my back of Tony Rome. I'm just joking. I didn't go that big. <laughs> <laughs> but you can ask my wife. I'm a fan. I'm fanatical. And I go big for my team. I mean, me and Pastor Jerry, we, we cry when the Cowboys lose, you know? And, and I know that some of you, you guys are like that, man. But when our Cowboys win, oh man, we're just like, oh, and we go big. And listen, I'm not telling you to stop doing that. I'm telling you, God put that in you to be able to do that stuff. Here's what my problem is. We come to church and we've gone big for everything. And then we give God our leftovers. It needs, to, it needs to be characterized, what you do for God, by grandeur. So I'm not saying you need to choose either. Oh, man, he's saying I can't be a Houston Texans fan and go to heaven. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying go big for your Texans, baby. Right? Go big for your Strohs. Keep doing that. But listen, I, I might even say this, that you need to go just a little bit bigger for the kingdom of God and what you do for God and in your giving for God. Right? Come on, that's, that, I'm not asking you to be somebody that you're not. I'm just saying, stop being a hypocrite when you come to church on that type of stuff, right? Like, you'll go to the game and like, oh my goodness, I just, we got And come to church and be like, oh my I'm like, there's something different about this guy, you know? I went to my first, have you been to a NASCAR race? I went to my first NASCAR race. It was unbelievable. It's so boring on TV. But and when you go there, I went with this, this guy. We walked in. They were doing the time trials. And this car. And then all of a sudden, it's like 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4. And then the air goes by you. 
because they're going like 200 miles an hour. And this little dude that I went to church with, he's about 45 years old. He was the CEO of a company. He would come to church and he'd be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that happened. He's from Detroit, Michigan. And all of a sudden he went, ah! I feel like a man. <laughs> I go, where did that come from? <laughs> He was like, I don't know, it's just in me, man. Can't you feel that horsepower? I was like, yeah, I've never seen this side of you, man. He's like, and he went crazy for NASCAR. But then God started to deal with him later that, man, you're going crazy for this NASCAR, but you need to go big for my church. You need to go big for my kingdom. I put that inside of you. And he did. And all of a sudden, man, I'd see him walk to the front. He would be a worship leader without being on the stage. He would come to the front, man. He'd lift his hands up. Jesus. I was like, man, that's who he is. God put that inside of him. So listen, it needs to be magnificent. It needs to be what we do for God needs to be characterized by grandeur. The next thing it says famous. Everybody say famous. Famous. That means a favorable widespread reputation. Please hear me. We are not trying to make a name for ourselves. Everything we do is to make his name great in Houston. Everything that we do is to build his name and to make the name of Jesus that is above all names great in the world. Right? It's all in his honor. Everything we do is for his glory. Well, why are we giving? Why are we going big? Why are we doing all this stuff? I am the exchange. It's for him. It's for him to be famous. Number five, glorious. Everybody say glorious. Glorious. (laughs) I was thinking about this. And it means with majestic beauty or splendor. Um, We should never have an attitude that says, well, it's good enough for God. You know, it's good enough. (laughs) I read a a story about President Jimmy Carter. He was a president a long time ago. And um, it's amazing to me. They used to pick people at random. And he would go to their house. The president would stay in a random American's house. Can you imagine the president of the United States coming to your house? Like, they would call him, and they'd be like, hey, we kind of did this lottery, and Brian, the president's coming to your house. And so I was imagining that. Like, that's, like, you'd be like, oh, my, oh my goodness, you know. And so let's say this happens, right? And so all of a sudden, here comes the president, and he pulls up in, in the limousine, you know, and all the Secret Service and the, the whole motor, you know, pool of cops on their motorcycles. And there's like, man, and there's people. They know he's coming to your house, right? And so the Fox News is out there like, man, they're coming to here. The president is coming over. To, he's going to stay with you, right? And all of a sudden, live, they're live. And the president is walking up with this, and they knock on the door. And nobody answers. And they, they're like knocking on the door. And you open up the door and you're like, oh, is that today? Oh, man. Hey, me and my wife, we've been watching uh, Netflix all day. We, we totally forgot that you were coming over. And, uh, hey, but come on. We forgot to clean up. I'm sorry, about the, I'm sorry about the mess. Hey, President, come, Mr. President, come sit down. Yeah, there's some cheese right here. Yeah, the kids get that. Oh, okay. It, it smells a little bit, but you can sit there. And uh, are y'all hungry? Man, we're supposed to make something. Adriana, can you uh, heat up some leftovers in the microwave? That's absurd. Right? If the president of the United States, you knew was coming to your house, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have money or don't have money. You would give your best. You wouldn't offer the president leftovers. But why do we do that for God? You know, man, we get so busy. We get so busy. And sometimes our priorities get out of whack. And God comes to us and he says, you're the exchange. I want to do great things from you. And I want you to take your commitment level. It needs to be exceedingly. You need to go big. Listen, the Bible says that when when this was spoken, that they prepared. Everybody say prepare. We need to prepare. We need to prepare our hearts and say, yes, God, I want to be a part of this. I am the exchange. We are going to go big. What we're going to do is, is bigger than we've ever done before. 
We're going to reach so many people. It's not just about us. I'm glad that your family's saved. I'm glad that my family's saved. But there's people out there that don't know. And so God, I'm going to bring it all back to this, and we're going to land this. i got so much more, but we're going to land it right now. Isaiah 54, verse 2, he said, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch. Let them stretch up the curtains of your dwelling. In closing, I want to talk to you about stretching. None of us like to stretch. And what I've, what I've learned, the older that I get, and I've been going through this back problem right now, is that the more stiff that we get, as the older we get, we don't, we're not as active. And you see those kids running around. I was asking you earlier today, are you flexible? She's like, I can do the splits. I can like pull my leg all the way up here. It's like, I can't imagine doing that. Right? Like that's, I'm just so unflexible the, the older that I get. And, and to stretch means this, to be made capable of being made, made longer or wider without tearing or breaking. And God's coming to us at the season that we're in as the exchange. And I'm telling you, he's about to stretch you. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Like if I got Pastor Jared up here who just worked out hard in the gym this last week, and I said, I want you to put your hands up high like this. He's incapable of doing that right now because he's in so much pain. (laughs) And if I said, okay, I'm going to stretch you out though. You need to do this. Like his... Your muscles, if you don't move and you, you get, I, I think I, they can set into atrophy. You know, I think some of us, the, the older we get in church, we kind of get a little stuck. We get a little stiff. Right. Here, come, come here right quick. Let's do something. I want you to go down. Just put your feet straight together. And I want you to go down and see how far that you can go. Don't bend your knees. Oh, my goodness. Lord Jesus. Okay, stay there. Be with me, Lord. Okay, here we go. Oh my gosh. Okay, you can you can get up now. See, I think I think there's some believers that are pretty young here at the church that are like, man, God is so fresh to you right now. You're just like, I'll do anything. We're gonna bring Pastor Jerry, we're gonna bring him. Man, and, and you're just you're flexible. You're like, if he asked me to do whatever, I'll do it. And some of us, God's going, I'm asking you to do whatever. And we're going, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh. And we're looking at these people that are new in the church, we're like, oh, how do they have so much faith? Well, it's because God wants to stretch us. Thank you, you can sit down. And when we stretch, it's good for us, but it hurts a little bit. I promise you, God's not going to tear you. Okay? He's not going to rip you apart. We, we serve a good father. Amen? But I want to ask Brian and Adriana to come up here. Talking about stretching. Come on. So, yeah, you're going to, okay, you're going to go for it. Really stretch it out. Splits right now. Just joking. <laughs> but some of you guys know that we're in this building campaign, and I wasn't here last week. I was at a family reunion, but Pastor Jared talked about investing, and we're starting this campaign. And listen, we're believing in the next six months that God is going to supply seed to the sower. He's going to give us creative ideas. He's going to ask some of us to dip into our, our, our finances, into our savings. He's going, to ask, he's going to give us some of us in just awesome ideas to be able to raise money. Some of you guys are going to have a garage sale, and you're going to think, man, I thought, and all of a sudden, your garage sale is going to turn into $1,000 for the kingdom of God. You're like, man, we just had a bunch of junk. But you, were, you did exactly what God told you to do, and he, he expanded it. And, and so... We're believing in the next six months that God's going to supply seed to the sower and that we're going to give above and beyond our tithes and offerings. We're going to give over $100,000. Amen. Come on, dream with me. Dream with me. 
what the season we're, I'm, God's promised me we're going to step into something miraculous in the next six months. But it, it takes faith. And so I know that what we've been asking, if you weren't here last week, I was talking to Pastor Jared and his faith promises. What came, listen to this. What came in in the first Sunday in faith promises was $55,000. $55,000. That's awesome, right? And we weren't even here. So that didn't even count our family. I think we were talking, there was like 20 families that were missing last week because it was a holiday. And, and, um, and so I'm telling you, my family, we're going to pick up three of these. We're believing in the next six months that right now we're at a church that doesn't pay us anything. And <laughs> my, my salary has been cut in half to come down here. We're believing that God is going to supply seed to the sower and we're going to give $3,000. And I, I believe that we're going to do it and keep going. So we're going to take three of these cards, but that's going to stretch us, right? You're kind of nervous, me standing up here going, oh my goodness, 3,000. How are we going to do that? But we, God's been so faithful. And I'll share one more testimony, but I know that you guys got together and started praying about what, what God wanted you to do. Oh, here we go. I have no idea how to turn this. Oh, here it is. I see a power button. Boom. Okay, so. It's on. It he, is. He got you. So, um, God had actually put, placed a number on my heart first. And um, this number made me throw up. <laughs> and it actually made me really scared. And I was like, God, if this is you, um, I want to hear you correctly. I want you to put this number on Brian's heart. And so, what's, was it last Sunday that we gave pledge cards? So, we were asked to pray for it. So, I'm bawling my face off because I know this number is going to be scary. And I look at Brian and I go, do you have a number? And he said, he didn't say anything. He just said, do you have a number? <laughs> and I said, yes. Actually, I go, Yes. <laughs> and he goes, what is it? And I said, God's um, telling me to give all our money that we've been saving up to buy a house. And he looked at me. He said, yep. <laughs> and I started crying. I was like, why did you say it to him too? <laughs> Because it's, it's, and all week, I've actually been trying to psych myself out of it. And, um, and then I had a revelation, because uh, I was in my kitchen, and, and I'm asking God, I'm like, God, do I, did, did I hear you right? Was it maybe just half? You know, because one time after we left, we were driving down the road, and it said, half off all oil changes. I was like, that's a, that's a sign. You're really supposed to get half. <laughs> and then. As I'm singing, I couldn't, I, I wasn't hearing God, so I started singing. I started worshiping, and then I started listening to the things I was singing. The verses I was, I've been singing my whole Christian life and saying, everything I am for your kingdom come. God, take my dreams, take all of me. Um, all these things I was sing I've been singing He's given me an opportunity to prove that what I've been saying to him is true. And I know every time in our previous church, when we would stand up during the tithers blessing, I shared a story on Wednesday and it didn't even hit me until I was sharing it. It was, we would always stand up with our tithe, asking God to give us more to give in missions and in offerings. And here he is giving us more and we were scared to give it. And I'm a planner, so not knowing what lies ahead is scary. But we might not have a house at the end of this, but we have a home, we have more than enough. And this, this church is our home. And we want to. He's a board member, and I'm a women's ministry leader, so you might think it's easy for us to say this, but it's not. 
we've vested so much time in here that the very thought that this that we might not have a place for us to be with you guys breaks our heart. And what wouldn't we do for our kids to have a home? It's the very same outlook we want to have to have a home to come with you guys. So yeah, so we pledge to give $10,000. Amen. Amen. Hey, come on. That's amazing. Okay, so God is stretching them. And you can see it's uncomfortable. I mean, when you're stretched, it's uncomfortable. And I, I want to share a, a, a testimony with you guys. Um, several years ago, it's been a long time, we, when Lisa and I first got into to church, God started to teach us about giving. And um, we, we, when we came to church, we were the $5 people. Every time you gave an offering, we, I always, five bucks. I was the $5 guy. I was like, yeah, I'm the five. And I felt good about that because before I didn't do anything. And then one day I was like, you know what, man? I'm going to double it. Ten, ten dollars. Man, I, and the first time I ever gave $20 in an offering, I felt like, man, that just church is going to be so excited to see me again because I am a big giver in this church, right? And, and then God spoke to my heart and said, um, I want you to give $100. And then I was learning and maturing, and, and then Lisa and I started to become tithers. And we said, you know what? We're going to give 10% of our income. Just every, every week, we're going to do that. And then we're going to give an offering. This is God was speaking to us. One day, God, God came to me and, and said, um, I'd never given anything like this before. He said, I want, I want you to give $1,000 to the church. And I go, all right. But God... I was looking at my bank account, and that's all we have. <laughs> and he said, well, good. That's all I want. Will you, will you trust me with this? And I said, I went and talked to Lisa. She's like, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give that $1,000. So I wrote, I wrote a check, and I, and I gave $1,000. And, um, but before I released it, God started to speak to me, and he said this. He said, I want you to step out of faith. I'm stretching you, but I want you to name this seed. And God started speaking to me about how God named his seed. You know, what did Pastor Jared talk about last week? Investing. And God is the greatest investor that there ever was. God so loved the world that he gave. He invested. He's the original investor. And when God gave, he gave his best. But when God gave and invested his seed, he did not allow Mary to name the son. He named Jesus. Because when you give a seed a name, you give it direction. Right? So God spoke to me and said, you have a need. And at that time, we were living in Spur, Texas, and we were, we were uh, talking to uh, the school there, and my wife had just started her career. She was a teacher at this other school. She was having a 45-minute commute back over there and coming back, and uh, she got to a place where we were like, we really want her to have a job here in Spur. And, 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 and the, they came to us, the people from Spur, and said, you'll never get a job here because they're, they're not opening. All the people that are in those type of jobs have been here forever. They're not retiring anytime soon. And so it was like everything was against us. And, uh, and God said, I said, God, what? I'm going to name this seed. And I wrote in the memo, I said, God, I'm stepping out of faith and I'm giving this to you. My, my whole faith, my trust is in you. And I wrote in the memo, a teaching job in the elementary at Spur. And we sewed it. So what, what you, how long do you think it was? Like three months? Three months later, we're going along. And we're just living life, just, you know, being faithful to the Lord. And Lisa gets a phone call from the principal in Spur. And he said, hey, um, I need to talk to you about something. Something's just happened, and a spot's become available at our school. And he said, I'm calling you first. And I don't know why, because at the time, there had been all these people that lived in the community that had been there longer, had been teachers longer. And all of a sudden, he says, I just, I feel like you're the one. You're the one. I'm going to offer this job. It made a lot of people mad. <laughs> they were like, how can you call her first? And we've been there. And I looked at Lisa and I said, it's the favor of the Lord. So listen, I I'm going to challenge you guys. As God stretches, let me just say this. As a pastor, when somebody stands up in front and says, 
we're going to give what we've saved for a house for our family to the church as a pastor. It's kind of scary, and there, it seems like there's a lot of pressure, like, oh, my goodness. I don't want this pressure. Don't do it. <laughs> like, like, first you want to say don't do it. That was me when I first got into ministry. But now that I've been in ministry this time, I'm telling you, God is going to blow your minds. As you step out in faith, I, it, it would, I would be robbing you of a blessing. God has blessed you to be a blessing. As you step out, I would, I would encourage you to name that seed. Name that seed and see what God does. And, and I'm saying, you don't have to give up your house. I'm saying God is going to provide. Listen, let me, let me just say this. Them standing up here and saying, we're going to do this, and we've had a dream of a home for our family, and we're going to give $10,000 that we saved into this church. You know what that makes me want to do, Pastor Jared? I want to go, oh my goodness, I want to do everything I can to get make it. you guys get a house. I'm going to, do we know anybody that sells houses, or do we know anybody that, that does? We, I want to go out and do everything I can to get a house for you guys. And that's me. Yeah. The Bible says this in the book of...